0: Hey friends and fellow readers, welcome to another episode of Athens Booked Podcast where I sit down every week and chat with bookstagrammers, readers, and indie authors about all things, you guessed it, books. Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Athens Booked Podcast. You guys, this week I was able to sit down and talk with Megan Cousins, author of The Curveball, which is out and available now. You can get it in paperback or on Kindle Unlimited. And then her second book, The Change-Up, comes out October 25th. So y'all have plenty of time to read The Curveball before The Change-Up is released, and If you love closed-door romance, found family, and interconnected series, you guys are going to love, love this series. Anyways, thanks for listening, and I hope y'all enjoy this conversation with Megan. Okay, well, hello, Megan. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about your books. I'm so excited.
1: Well, thank you. I'm I'm excited to be here and have this opportunity to chat with you.
0: I thank you. I can't wait to talk about, well, all of the characters, but oh my gosh. So let's just to kind of start out. um, Can you give us a little elevator pitch for, let's start with The Curveball since that's book one in in the series.
1: So The Curveball is a closed door Workplace romance, um, with a little neighbor neighbor element there too, um, mm-hmm. that is own voices PCOS representation and deals with you know women in male dominated spaces and features um former baseball player as our hero and baseball analyst as his love interest.
0: That was perfectly summed up. I love that you mentioned the neighbor thing that was like the post it note especially then at i'm not okay no spoilers but but the post it notes <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i loved that part thank you yeah yeah so was there was there a specific moment where it hit you because it there it is so so important of a story about you know women in such a male dominated industry plus the own voices was there a moment that you remember where it it hit you that this was the story that that you wanted to write
1: um not really. I I started writing it um when I got sent home from work. I was basically told you're working from home indefinitely. It was March of 2020. Gotcha. And I needed to break things up between doing my schooling at home, doing my work at home. I needed something that was just for me. So I started to write. And I was dealing with my own health struggles at that point and put them on paper. I wrote them down, I gave them to Penelope. And it's like, how would she deal with this? And I think there wasn't a moment so much as it was just like the writing of it was so almost healing for me that it's like, if I need this story, there are other people out there who need it too. And so I kept going and I cleaned it up and I rewrote. And I think I rewrote the ending maybe 10 or 15 times Oh wow! before I got it where I have it now.
0: Well, all of that was worth it to get to the ending that you have now,
1: because that epilogue is <laughs> so sweet. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So not, not any specific moment, but just the whole journey of just writing it was like, yeah, I think this could be something not just for me, but for other people too.
0: Absolutely. What I, I imagine there were, it would be difficult to put your own struggles through that, but. Mm-hmm. I I find it interesting that you also said it was healing, because I I feel like it definitely could lend to that as well, just to feel like, I don't know, like you're putting voices to that. I guess that's kind of why they call it own voices.
1: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. It it was really helpful for me just to be able to put that down somewhere and not just, you know, be wrestling with it in my own head.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love all of it so much. So after, I mean, kind of realizing like, oh, I, I might have something, something here. Mm -hmm. And, and what was the process of that? Like to start with publishing and how you ended up in indie publishing?
1: Sure. So I connected, um, it would have been last summer with some people through instagram who just other readers um and one of them was getting ready to self-publish and so i just started asking her a bunch of questions <laughs> like in uh-huh. her dms i was just seeing all these questions about you know what platform are you using what what does the process look like and she very graciously answered um we became really good friends through all of it. And she sort of held my hand through the whole self-publishing process. Um, And so it wasn't long after that, that I started researching um, Amazon's self-publishing platform, figured out how easy it was and just kind of got the ball rolling there. Um, she even connected me with my cover designer, which was amazing. Oh, wow. And so Yeah, it just kind of fell into place. And so here we are. I love that.
0: What was the most difficult part of that process? Um, I mean, I I don't know. So I haven't talked to a ton of authors like about this yet, but the couple that I have talked to, they have said just how welcoming the other indie authors are with really like helping. So I think that that is just so special, but there still has to be some really difficult (laughs) things in there when you're trying to get a book out into the world.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, it's pretty stressful. Um, the, the community of indie authors is incredible. Um, one of the hardest things is that there is no like how-to manual for <laughs> self-publishing. You're, you're kind of on your own or you're doing what I did and you're reaching out to other indie authors and asking all the questions and figuring out all the all the bits and pieces. Um, so one of the hardest things is just finding answers um, unless you're asking people who've been there and have done it. So being able to go through it all with somebody who was publishing her debut at the same time was very helpful. And we're both getting our second books ready right around the same time, too. So Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's been great to just have somebody to kind of walk through it with you. Yeah. that's ex- That's so exciting for both of you. <laughs> yeah. Takes a lot of the stress away.
0: Yeah. I love that. So I guess if anyone listening is thinking about pursuing self-publishing. Just know that there's a lot of other indie authors out there really willing to to walk the road with you and <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, well I want to go back to Jake and Penelope because I love them <laughs> so much. But how did you obviously Penelope is inspired somewhat by some of your personal journey? Mm-hmm. But where did the inspiration come from for the characters? Anyone else like in real life? I'm so interested.
1: So Penelope actually was not my original main character. Oh my gosh. Okay. The original manuscript was her brother, Peter, and his romantic journey. And so she was a side character. Oh, wow. But, um, I remember writing part of his story. And having her be a part of um, on the field, she was the producer of this baseball show. And he would text her at night when he watched the show and just to let her know that he watched. And yeah. she was so funny and so sassy just as his sister that I'm like, wait a second, what if I write you know, about this woman producing a baseball show, which obviously I love baseball, um, you can probably see... <laughs> in, you know, behind me, I've got baseball, you know, like bobbleheads and baseball bats. And I, I love baseball. I love it. So it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard for me to come up with this person, this woman who loves baseball, but there are not a lot of women in baseball media. There are a few more than there used to be certainly more than there were when I was growing up. Um, so you asked about characters based on real people and there's yeah. a not so obvious or not, You know, there's a very obvious reference to um, her name is Susan Waldman. She has done the radio for the New York Yankees for years. I my dad would have me listen to her from the time I was little, um, very much based on a real person. Oh, I love that. Um, As far as the rest of my characters. The more I work on this series, the more I realize that um, Mr. Hutchinson, their dad, Mm -hmm. is very much a combination of of my own parents. Um, I can see the more that I put him into the later books in the series, that I've put bits and pieces of both my mom and dad into him, which is interesting to to kind of see how he's...
0: Yeah, like as it plays out...
1: Yeah, as the series kind of progresses.
0: That is so cool. So like, obviously, you're a huge baseball fan, which is awesome. Did you know a lot of the more of the media side? Or did you have to do more research like into that aspect?
1: Yeah, I I did some research into the media side, just so that I was getting some of those details right. Um, Like, what would a producer of a television show actually be doing? Where would she be during a broadcast? Um, what about the hosts? You know, what would their job be like during the day when they're not on set? So yeah, there was some research that went into that side of things. That's
0: cool. Yeah. I didn't even think about that part, like where she would be during the show, like in real life. And so she's also, I mean, she's not a chef, but she cooks a lot. Is that something that you do as well? Or did you also have to kind of look into like recipes and stuff like that? Because I loved having all that kind of interspersed throughout. That was fun.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. No, I love to cook um, all the time. Cooking, Mm -hmm. baking, some of the recipes um, in the curveball are things that I have made or make all the time. Some of the kitchen mishaps (laughs) are based on my own kitchen (laughs) mishaps. There's a banana bread debacle that (laughs) we don't talk about. (laughs) Oh, I love that.
0: Oh, that's funny. (laughs) the lim- what well, what was it it was the lemon bread that was supposed to be <laughs> yeah
1: oh that was so funny <laughs> was overcooked and undercooked all at the same time and that is very much my own experience
0: <laughs> oh well that was fun i love that that was um something that she could kind of introduce him to and that then became such a big part of their their relationship and just getting to do something together. Mm-hmm. And I also I also loved how this like pacing felt really quick. like, but you did such a good job of of making it seem like time was passing. Do you know what I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it felt like they mm-hmm. fell for each other really mm-hmm. quickly, but you could still see the time passing and that they, you know, they did spend almost every night together and they really were, were forming like that friendship base. And so I, -hmm. I thought that was really cool too. How, how well you did that of making it just, you could really see them like progressing like over time, but then at the same time as a reader, it felt like fast paced, I (laughs) guess.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I worried about that so much of, is it too quick? You know, what does the timeline look like? I even like right before I published it, I sent it to a couple friends and I was like, listen, I need you to just read this for the pacing. I want to make sure that, you know, all of the the romance elements are there, but that the pacing makes sense. So I appreciate their help with that right there at the end.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it did because like I said, it was, I don't know, it felt fast enough as a reader, but you could just still you just still included the actual time passing of like, you know, like, even if it was like, like the last week, we did this every night or something like that. I really, I really enjoyed that part of it. And then it didn't seem insta-lovey. I mean, like that at all. Um, so did you always know it was going to be an interconnected series or that just kind of came towards the end?
1: It just it just sort of happened. Um, originally, it was only going to be Jake and Penelope and their story. And I was actually so I was out mowing my lawn one day and I was thinking through. So there's a scene pretty early on in the curveball where Jake um, kind of has this impromptu family meeting with his siblings. Mm-hmm. And Jenna just sort of offhandedly says to him, you're an invasive species. You're you know new in her territory. She gives him this whole like scientific speech. And the three brothers are just kind of dumbfounded, like you need to explain this to us. And so I'm out mowing my lawn. Right. And I'm thinking about this speech thinking, well, what would it look like if I, you know, make Jenna the lead in her own book? You know what? Um, she's this brilliant scientist. She's you know, she teaches. What, w- what would it look like? And so I stopped mowing my lawn like right in the back corner and I whipped out my phone and typed out this note. And I think I still have it even, make Jenna the lead. And so I just kept thinking about it. And it's like, okay, I think I can do this. But if I write Jenna's, then I have to write James and jacks too. I can't Mm -hmm. just do two of four (laughs) siblings. So um, really, it happened because of Jenna um, kind of giving her brother the what for in the curveball. Oh my gosh, I love that. And it was
0: so exciting to see like, because I, I ended up reading them back to back because you sent me the ARC, which thank you so much. So I guess before I I jump here, oh, <laughs> um, for everyone listening, the Curveball is out now. It is on Kindle Unlimited. Um, and then the Change Up comes out in October. So let's I mean, let's jump to Jenna and Marcus because they were so fun, too. Can you give us just a quick pitch for, for their book? Sure.
1: Um, Jenna and Marcus are best friends from college they've known each other this point about half their lives and they have both been selected for a summer research fellowship in yellowstone national park was only supposed to be one researcher but the two of them got selected because romance and tension and drama and um so there's some road trip and there's um women in stem Fields Actually, both of them are in a STEM field, and it's just lots of mutual pining and wrestling with their feelings for each other. And of course, there's some baseball in there
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, conversations about family and relationships. And then there's own voices, arthritis representation as well.
0: I loved, first of all, the road trip shenanigans.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Those were so funny. And then also, I mean, obviously, there was some of them were like a little crazy, but uh, like stuff like that happens on road trips all the time. So that was so funny. And then I remember when I first read it or was starting to read it, I text Kristen (laughs) And I was like, they've been friends for 18 years like that blew my mind. And obviously, like their friendship kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. I mean, just as they're, you know, going through life and everything like that. But that I love that because then you you really could see that how well they knew each other. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side, you also kind of saw how much they still were learning about each other being in kind of a different. A kind of forced proximity as well, and then with everything that goes on in in the park, that
1: <laughs> yeah, it um, I I worried a little bit about you know this this almost twenty year friendship, like how frustrated are people going to be <laughs> that they're not getting together right away, that they're not already a couple. Um, but it was interesting to kind of play with um, the things that they did know about each other, but also the things that they learned kind of along the way. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun to write their story. Yeah,
0: I'm glad to hear that because it, it was it was it was different. I mean, obviously, then then the curveball just beat with that different A dynamic of them having known each other for so long. But I thought it was, it was, it was so interesting because everything, they had known each other for so long, but then everything was, you know, changing. And obviously the pining is there because they've both had feelings, you know, forever. Oh my gosh, so sweet. But like you mentioned, they are both in STEM. Mm -hmm. How was that aspect of writing it? Because there were so many um, like scientific elements and about Yellowstone Park, which were, was so fun. I, you know, at some moments I felt like I was in the park in the anticipation for the bears.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually started writing it last summer while I was in the park. Oh, wow. So the details of the park are all as accurate as I could get them. Um, as far as like the hydrothermal features and some mm-hmm. of the geographic um, and geological things that have, you know, that are in the park, that's all to the best of my ability as accurate as I could get them. The the research fellowship I took some liberties with just kind of because you you have to in fiction sometimes. That's fair. Um the anticipation of seeing a bear in the park was my own experience in the park. <laughs> Didn't see a single one the whole time I was there and it was oh no. It was a little disappointing and I um apparently channeled that energy into Jenna. And here we are. And here we are. Oh my gosh,
0: that's amazing. No, I love that. Was it hard at all writing from Jake and Marcus's point of view?
1: Definitely. Um, Because it can be so easy, I think, especially when I started writing The Change Up, I was worried... Am I making, you know, am I making him too much like Jake? Are the characters too similar? You know, if I'm doing their inner monologue, am I, you know, am I doing, making things too similar? Um, Marcus has a rough relationship with his dad. And so kind of figuring out, um, you know, a relationship between a father and son, you know, what does that look like? How do I get inside Marcus's head? And for that having beta reader feedback is huge. And just kind of um, getting feedback on on the male characters and the male voices was very helpful.
0: Yeah, no, that's great to have have the feedback for sure. Mm -hmm. Because I imagine, you know, yeah, on reading back that would not that it's, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say, you know, on the read back being like is this really what a guy would think like almost just being too in your head about it and like questioning yourself of of that part versus like what what the book is and his I loved everything from his perspective especially because they had been friends for so long and they had feelings for each other for so long I loved getting to see his side of that and like to really understand his reasoning of why that (laughs) nothing had happened before i liked that a lot and then obviously the same with jake his like just i'm not he's not obsessed with her but like his view of penelope Mm. is so sweet honestly i mean i'm i'm not gonna lie i love a good morally gray male character and like a grumpy character but both of these men are so ooey gooey sweet and like respectful and Mm. just but like genuinely kind Mm -hmm that they are so sweet. I love them. I I do I'm I'm I think I'm leaning into the sunshine male characters more than ever before.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. And it was especially important for me um with Jake and Penelope that that with Jake, he did kind of see past the physical things that she was self-conscious about and that she struggled with. Um Not that he didn't see them because he does acknowledge those issues. Um, Yeah. I just really wanted her to have a love interest that was not like the other men that she had dealt with, especially in the industry. Um, So that's kind of where that came from with Jake and with Marcus. I don't know. He's just head over heels for Jenna and always has been. And I just kind of played up that like (laughs) retriever, super sunshiny
0: yes yeah that that sums them both up perfectly it was they just both yeah were just genuinely respectful and kind and there is some kind of the of the comfort trope in both books of them just being there however they you know however the the women needed them in that moment and that was sweet I mean I don't I don't know a better word than they're just both so sweet <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, I'm. I'm not going to ask you about the other two books yet. Okay, okay. But I'm. I can't wait to see how. Because I mean, the whole honestly, how was it writing like the whole family unit and having to carry them over into multiple books? Was that hard to keep track of, or like um, was did did their characters kind of like just announce themselves?
1: Yeah. So. Jax kind of announced himself pretty early on in The Curveball. James, I will be very honest with you. I did not like him when I wrote The Curveball. I thought he was too goofy and he um, and and it's my I mean, I'm the writer. I wrote him that way. Um, I don't know. There, He had a couple moments in The Curveball where I'm like, man, he's going to be hard to write. And then he sort of claimed his place in my heart, uh, in Jenna's book Mm -hmm. without spoiling anything. There is a scene, um, Mm -hmm. where he shows up in, uh, Yellowstone to visit his sister. And that, um, that was really the scene where I'm like, okay, this is something. And so I started taking notes uh, for him and started kind of figuring out, um, what his story is going to look like. So it was in Jenna's book where James was like, hey, write me next. I have a story. So his is next. Um, But kind of exploring his story has been a bit of a challenge, a little more challenging than the last two. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's been fun. And I'm excited for people to get to know James the way that I have and see that he is not the person he was in the curveball.
0: Oh, okay, I I'm very excited and I am curious to see like his diet. I mean, I'm just a cu- curious to see him more, learn more about him because I did that whole scene in The Change Up. Um when they all kind of come and rally together, just again that family dynamic was so good. And we do, I mean, learn about him. I don't re- even remember if it was mentioned in The Curveball, but about him Uh, having a plane and and everything like that was interesting so Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see how that all comes into play as well um and I do like too that like all of the love interests have been new kind of in each Mm -hmm. book like I like that that's like something that you don't know is coming I like that
1: well thank you that is going to continue um you have not met the next two love interests yet okay (laughs)
0: dropping all the tea today (laughs) so i'm kind of jumping all around i really should have made better no that's okay but as far as like your writing journey obviously you you know the both of these books really have been in the works for a little while um and then now you know you're having each come out pretty quickly soon after one another which is exciting as readers. But can you share a little bit like about your writing process? Like, do you kind of schedule out times? Or is there obviously, there's obviously times when inspiration hits more? Like how, how do you figure that out?
1: Yeah, so while I was working on the curveball and the changeup, I was in school, Um, I took almost all my classes online. And so I would schedule out. um, Typically my day off from work would be my day of doing schoolwork. And so I would start first thing in the morning, I would get my schoolwork done. And once that was done, it was easy to slip over to a Google Doc and work on the curveball. It's always writing has always been a stress reliever, a form of self care, really, for me. So I would get my schoolwork done and get the stress of that out of the way. And then I could jump into this fictional world and tell these stories. Um, so while I was in school, yeah, it was kind of scheduled out. I would write on the same day that I would do my work. Um, I have graduated. (laughs) Uh Um, So it is more, so now I do, um, try to schedule at least one hour a week. It's typically on Fridays when I'm not in the office, Mm -hmm. um, try to sit down for an hour and just write, um, whether it's writing or revising or working on an outline, but then sometimes like you said inspiration does strike and when it does i have um a google document on my phone and if it's just a random scene that comes to me like in the grocery store or while i'm out running errands i can just type <laughs> it into my phone and then i have to decipher my notes later <laughs> um like i i still have it because it was kind of funny i have a note from when i was writing the curveball and it just says make them cry i don't know if i meant the characters, or if I meant the reader, or what, but it just says make them cry. <laughs> so when inspiration strikes, I try to jot it down. And then I get home and try to flesh it out a little bit more
0: and try to remember what the inspiration. was. Oh, my gosh, I love that. Oh, no. Well, I think I think that is so cool that it, you know, something that has always been like a stress reliever for you has now turned into like this whole world that you've created with like, the coolest
1: family. And that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty cool to watch it evolve, um, and grow into what it is. Yeah. Is there
0: any, because there are a few tropes in the first two books, are there any that have been your favorite to write or that you're looking forward to write, or that you would never ever
1: write? So I have tried a few times to write a grumpy sunshine and I don't know if it's the characters if it's me if it's the story I've just never been able to do it I I have plans hopefully to try again but we'll see what happens um as a reader and I think this comes from my love of you've got mail as a reader I have always loved the pen pal epistolary romance um Jake and Penelope were supposed to be. It started with the sticky note, mm-hmm. and it was going to be like an anonymous pen pal romance. It didn't work for them, which is fine because it did work for James. Little teaser. Uh, we can look forward to a pen pal romance in in book three.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm trying to like rein in my excitement and not... <laughs> squeal into my microphone. That is going to be epic. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> it,
1: has been a joy. it has been such a joy to see that story come together and just to know that that element has worked, um, right up until I needed that reveal. So yeah, I'm feeling really good about it.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is. Oh, okay. I'm excited. So when, <laughs> when does James book? <laughs>
1: Planning on coming out again? <laughs> March. I'm, I'm ho- March. Oh, okay. That's not too long. Yeah. I'm hoping for an opening day book release. So baseball comes back and James's book comes out. Oh, that's perfect. I think you, you might've
0: told me that or said that. I love that. That's going to be, that's going to be perfect for this series. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's exciting. So as far as like self-publishing and Instagram, you know, you, you're doing all of that by yourself marketing and everything like that. So for your readers and and everybody just listening, what is the best way to specifically like support you like through that? You know what I mean? What 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 can we do that brings you the most joy through that? Yeah. So
1: um reviews are huge. Um retail reviews especially, so Amazon reviews one of the things I've learned is they're, they're a huge help for indie authors for all authors, especially indie. Um, I'm just really bad at asking like, Hey, if you read it, go review it on Amazon. Um, Because I know that, that, you know, it takes work. It takes time for people to do that. And they've already given me the time of reading their book. Um, But yeah, Amazon reviews, Goodreads reviews are huge. Um, I nothing brings me more joy than people like dropping me a message to say, Hey, I read your book. I loved it. Or, um, the first time somebody made like a mood board or an aesthetic reel of my book, like I cried. I was like, this is, I don't know. It's like, there are people not in my family (laughs) that are loving this book and that, um, that have connected with these words and with these characters. And it just, it still blows me away to see those posts. Um especially on Instagram. That's where I do the majority of my marketing, so um you know whether it's a a goofy reel or I I post a quote every week which gets hard because I don't want to spoil anything. Um yep, coming up with new things to share, but yeah, um just engaging on social media is huge and it brings me a lot of joy. I I really love um meeting readers and chatting with people about the books and
0: I love that. I also loved the um I think it was just a static post that you posted the other day but it was if the characters had an Instagram. Yes. That was so amazingly perfect for each one of them. Was that kind of was was that hard to write or are they still so fresh in your mind that you can really like see, you know, like see what they would do and everything?
1: Um, Penelope's was easy <laughs> because it, hers was the most ridiculous. I think um, <laughs> it was so good. the The thing that I wasn't sure about was, do I post um for the last two books that aren't announced that aren't out yet? I mean, people know they're coming, obviously, and they know these characters. Yeah. Um, so because I'm working on James's book right now, his and his love interests. Theirs were easy to do. Um, mm-hmm. Jax's was a little harder because I wanted to be a little vague. <laughs> I didn't want to give away too much. Yeah. And the Marcus and Jenna are just, they hold a special place in my heart. So with them, it was easy to come up with like their usernames. Like what would their mm-hmm. usernames be? And what would, I mean, obviously Jenna mentioned a bear and of Marcus, geology <laughs> the puns, you know? Yes.
0: I loved it. Oh my gosh. I loved his so much with his, <laughs> his buttons. Always. Oh, oh my gosh. So good. How easy is it for you? Like, cause obviously you've been, I already have said this, but you've, you've been working on them for a, you know, a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's just kind of, you know, you're, you're obviously already working on book three and everything. How hard or easy has it been for you to read other stuff is that is that hard to like kind of cross over from writer to reader, or do you you know what's your process with that
1: um I have to be very careful <laughs> uh with the reading because i worry i I get this anxiety that I'm going to like inadvertently plagiarize you know what I mean <laughs> yes so most of my reading um as I've been doing, as I've been writing this series has been historical romance, just so that like some of those elements don't like carry over. Um, and I love historical romance. Yeah. I started reading it. Um, actually read it for the very first time last year and just devoured it. Anything I could get my hands on anything I could, you know, get from my library or sent to my Kindle. Um, So I've done a lot of just reading historical romance as I've been writing. And then there are a few contemporary that have slipped in, Mm -hmm. mostly indie authors. Um, So, yeah, I've I've enjoyed being able to take a break from my own stories by immersing myself in other people's. And it's it's been fun.
0: I love that. I also read. Well, I'm not going to say it was my first historical romance really ever, like because I'm sure I've read one. At some point before this year, but this is the first year where I read a Regency romance where I was like, oh, I like this. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, that
1: was that was me last year. Uh somebody recommended a Tessa Dare and I tore through it in a day and then read whatever I could get my hands on.
0: I love that. I, I still need to read Tessa. So okay. I've got that on my list. <laughs> I haven't got very far in my journey, but I'm excited to see where it goes. Sure. Oh, okay. So I do have, I did put up a Q&A box. Okay. We got some really, really good ones. So let me bring those up real quick. Okay. So the first one, someone asked where you got the idea for your book titles from.
1: Oh, okay. So when I contacted my cover designer for the Curveball. I sent her my mood board and um, a couple sample chapters, and the title that I had at the time, which was not the curveball. And so she emailed me back and she was like, "So what is your vision for the cover?" And I told her what you know I had thought about, and then I can get this message from her saying, "So, is this a romance, or is it a mystery?" And I was really confused. I said, well, what do you mean? She says, well, your title makes it seem a little darker than the story. So the original title, um, if you've read, you have obviously read The Curveball. If anybody listening has read The Curveball, the original title of the book was supposed to be Shattered Glass, oh. which is the special that Penelope, um, not a great fit for the uh, title of a romance novel. So my cover design was like, all right, we got to workshop this. Um, so with her help, we came up with the curveball. And the more I got thinking about it, um, as the series started to take shape, I was thinking, well, the curveball is a type of pitch. Mm-hmm. Wild pitches. I love it. Wild pitches as the overarching And so then I had to think about what, um, what other pitches would work as series titles. So, um, Jenna and Marcus experience a big change in their relationship, in their location, the change up, um, the fastball doesn't really have a lot of symbolism, like to the story, but it fits with wild pitches and Mm -hmm. James tends to, you know, live, life to the fullest and he is a big personality he's like one of those 100 mile an hour fastballs right so he um his book became the fastball and then i wasn't sure what to do for the end of the series but there's nothing i love more than a walk off a walk off win whether it's a home run or a base hit or mm-hmm. you know that one thing that brings your team the win and closes out a game or a series and I thought, all right, book four is going to be the walk-off. So because of my cover designer, <laughs> because of my cover designer helping me <laughs> and and being very gracious in saying um, that title doesn't work, <laughs> we got to wild pitches and it just kind of grew from there.
0: And it does encapsulate everything so perfectly. And I love how you said with book four, how that is... Mm-hmm. Like you said, it kind of signals the end. That's perfect. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, question two was who you would fan cast for your book characters in a screen adaptation. That
1: one might be really hard off the top. That's a hard question. Um, if they don't all have to be actors. Perfect. Nope. Um, I've always envisioned Jake DeGrom as Jake. He's a pitcher for the Mets. Okay. And then, oh, I can't think of her name, but I've had a few people tell me there's a a woman who, I'll have to look her up. She's currently on NCIS, which is one of my favorite shows, Ooh. Um, who I think would be a great Penelope. She's sassy and funny, and I'm looking her up so that I can get her name right. Um, um, Katrina Law. Oh, okay. Her name is Katrina Law. She's from Hallmark movies, and now she's on NCIS, which... Like I said, one of my favorite shows. I think she'd be a great Penelope. Um, Oh, Marcus and Jenna. I'm going to skip Marcus and Jenna. Okay, that's fair. And go to James, who I've always envisioned as um, Kevin McGarry. He's a Hallmark actor. He's done a few of my favorite shows and movies. And I just feel I I actually watched um, one of his Christmas movies. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking... Oh, that's James. I love that. On that I- is James Hutchinson.
0: I love it. No, honestly, as I was reading both books, I I was like, I'm I'm reading a Hallmark movie right now. Like <laughs> so I love that.
1: It's fitting. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I haven't really thought about jacks all that much. Which I probably shouldn't say. Um and to be honest, like Jenna and Marcus, I haven't really thought about fan cast for them. Sorry,
0: no, I I am the worst at fan casting. Like everybody that can do that on oh book God. talk and Instagram, I'm like this is a special skill. I can't do it. It
1: is no, I can't either. Um, in fact, the ones I gave you were all also like suggested to me, and then the power of with the exception of James, um, and it's like the power of suggestion. Now it's in my head, like oh yeah, they they would be great as. Okay, so
0: next question was your process for publishing, which we talked about a little bit already. Um but then second part of that question was what made you go for it? Was it just having that person there to kind of walk you through it or was there another motivation?
1: Um yeah, so originally I was just going to take the curveball, then called Shattered Glass and just tuck it away. Um and not not do anything with it. And then I read some own voices romance for the very first time and saw, you know, these lead characters with chronic pain or with anxiety and kind of seeing, you know, they were all indie authors at the time and seeing these on the page um was like, yeah, I think I could maybe do something with this. And then my friend Lindsay, who was publishing at the same time, um, I was telling her a little bit about the story and she really gave me the push that I needed. And so it was kind of after, you know, seeing that in other romances that I'd been reading, um, and with her encouragement of saying, you know, this is a story that needs to be told. Um, and right around the same time I had written, uh, little narrative thing to read at um we do a blue christmas service at my church every year and it's a service where um you know people come and we talk about grief and we talk about the things that we've lost that year and this piece that i wrote was from the perspective of you know someone actually in scripture and i kind of gave her a voice and then i get this card in the mail From one of my coworkers saying, You have been given your heart and your voice for a reason. Use it. Wow. And it's like, um, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was the sign I needed. Yeah, it was. And I actually, so I have that card. I have this um, notebook that is like my series guide for wild pitches. And I have that card that he sent me taped right here in the front. Because that was kind of where it was like, yeah, I do have this voice and I can't just tuck it away in a drawer or, you know, close up this Google document and let it get buried. Um, there's a story here and I need to tell it. So I I did.
0: Yeah. And and you did. You did it so beautifully. And I know that people did need it and have connected so well with the characters that you've created. That's that's so special. <laughs> For, to get that from from someone for you know what I mean wow that's amazing mm-hmm. okay now let's move to something lighter I guess okay <laughs> okay rank your top five favorite rom-com authors and or books like impossible.
1: oh boy okay um I'm gonna go top five books if that's okay yeah um not in any particular order um, always only you by I always butcher her name. I think it's Chloe lise I think is how she says it. Always only you. That's my favorite. Um, it's not out yet. But mishaps and mistletoe by Lindsay Jesse Anowski. uh so that's two. Um, I actually need to turn around and look at my shelf. Hang on. I'm counting this as a series, but this account counts a series counts one book. Juliet crosses stay a spell series. It's. A little witchy, a little mystical. It's super funny. Those are so much fun. That's
0: sweet. I have heard such good things about that. Yeah.
1: Um. Oh, Carrie Winfrey, Waiting for Tom Hanks. Ooh. Oh, it's so much fun. It is like an homage to rom-coms and Tom Hanks as like the ultimate rom-com hero. And it's so much fun. Anything Carrie Winfrey writes, I will read. Uh, but Waiting for Tom Hanks, right at the top of the list. Okay, well, yeah, I'm adding that to my list. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then number five, um, Well Met by Jen DeLuca. That was a fun one. I just adore Simon. He is my favorite grump. His pirate ways are, whoo. <laughs> yes, when he becomes the the pirate captain. It's game over. That's it. It is. And then he winks and you're like, okay, (laughs) done. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Done.
0: I'm gone. That's it. Yes. Okay. Those those were so good. Okay. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the trope Grumpy Sunshine that you said was a struggle for you to write. Mm -hmm. But what has been or what is your favorite and least favorite tropes just in general?
1: Um... My favorite is enemies to lovers. I just love the the tension and the animosity and um, kind of growing, you know, in their relationship. as And then, so that leads me into least favorite. Um, as long as there's no miscommunication, I cannot handle miscommunication. Yep. If the problem can be solved by sitting down and having a discussion, why are we not just having the discussion?
0: 100% agree.
1: Can't do miscommunications. So
0: frustrating. My other one that really drives me nuts is uh, Love Triangle. Oh, yes. I, I hate them.
1: <laughs> I do too.
0: Oh, gosh. Okay. Next question is kiss, Mary kill. Oh,
1: no. Okay.
0: Okay. Charlie from Book Lovers.
1: <sighs> okay.
0: Jack from Marriage for One. <sighs> and Beckett in the weeds.
1: This is not fair. I love, you. um, kiss Charlie, marry Jack. <gasps> I have to, but I'm so sorry, Beckett. I'm so sorry. I wouldn't, I can't, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm crying. Oh, there, that question hurts heart. It hurts.
0: Okay. Well, this is funny. I'm going to answer, but only because I have not read book lovers yet or marriage for one. Okay. That's fair. But I've heard really, I've heard really mixed reviews on book lovers. So I'm going to kill Charlie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jack. I've heard really good things about, so I'm going to kiss him and then I'm going to marry Beckett so I can kiss him all the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I understand. See what sealed it for me with Jack is there is a scene in marriage for one. I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Um, top tier, like caretaking, nursing back to health. He is, he, nobody even comes close. Like I have those scenes in my own books. Nobody comes close to Jack. That, that is it. So that is why, that's why he's, he's the Mary for me.
0: That's perfect. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to bump that up on my list. It's I've seen it a lot like all over bookstagram and I've been meaning to read it cuz I really liked Ella Mays's, um like little duology To Love Jason Thorne and to hate Adam Connor. I really really loved those. So, I need to read more from her.
1: Yes. Oh, she blew me away with Marriage for One.
0: Okay. Well, officially moving that up. Okay, next question. This one is amazing. Amazingly thought out. I I'm really going to say his name wrong and I'm really sorry, but I, I I really enjoy baseball, but I don't know very many of the players except for a couple from like the Cardinals. What do Jake and Penelope think about Judge tying Maris's record?
1: Oh, Penelope is ecstatic because it's baseball history and Jake has to calm her down. I love that. Like <laughs> she, yeah, no, she would the other night she would have been freaking out when it, when he tied. Um, and now she's anticipating him breaking the record, right? There's not a lot of time left in the, in the season. Um, probably by the time this airs, we'll be into the postseason. So she's waiting for him to break the the regular season record. He wants number 62 right now. Um, and Jake is like, honey, you got to calm down. <laughs> he, he's reeling her
0: down back to earth. <laughs> He is. Isn't that such a good question? I read that and I was like, oh, that is, (laughs) that is perfect. And in that same vein, what is the newest thing Penelope's taught Jake to cook?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, they've probably branched out into something international. So she's probably taught him, um, I think he's progressed enough that they're making their own homemade Chinese instead of ordering takeout. So like he's doing honey garlic chicken or orange chicken and rice. And yeah, they're, he is no longer a regular with the uh, takeout restaurants.
0: I love it. I love it so much. That's perfect. Okay, and last one for the Q&A was who is the best Hutchinson sibling and why is it Jax?
1: Oh, that could have come from any number of people. (laughs) So I'm going to answer this question in two parts. I think people think that Jax is the best. Like he has become everyone's favorite because of the single dad aspect. And he's a doctor. Mm -hmm. Doctor, he's a single dad. Everybody has just kind of latched onto him. Um, as the writer, um, I would say that the best character is James, even though you haven't read his book yet. I I think you're gonna be blown away by James. Still still have all the love in the world for Jax, but um, he's got some competition.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. So yeah, so when this airs, the change up will be just a couple days away from release. So, yeah. so excited for people to get their hands on Marcus and Jenna and plenty of time to read The Curveball before then. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go, can you give us a little out of context, quote, anything about book three?
1: Yes. So I've already mentioned that it is um, somewhat of a pen pal epistolary romance. And I I do have a quote that I pulled um, that I'm excited to share, but I need to give just a teensy bit of context. Um, Okay, I'll take it. So this is from um, the love interest point of view. Her name is Amanda. And so I'm going to go ahead and just I'm just going to go ahead and read it and then we'll leave it there. Um, All right. It says, I am finally beginning to dismantle the box I put myself into for him, and it scares me. I don't know if I have, if I know how to be me anymore, my real self. It's been five years since he died, and it took me returning to this place from my childhood to remind me of who I was, and who I want to be again.
0: Well, <laughs> there you have it, folks. <laughs> coming in March. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I. I have no words. (laughs) That was incredible. Well, thank you. I yeah, I can't wait for people to read this story. Yeah, I feel like that it's gonna be special just from that alone. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for sharing. I feel like I got so much more information, especially about James, than I could have ever hoped for. (laughs) No word. Thank you so much. I have loved talking with you. And is there you can shamelessly plug yourself here is what have you got going on? Where where can people find you?
1: Um, Instagram and TikTok. I am at author Megan Cousins. Um Twitter where I'm a little less active is at Meg underscore M Cuz C-U-Z-Z. I am there on Twitter. I do a little bit, uh, not as much. And then um Megan Cousins author on Facebook. So yeah, social media. I'm most active on Instagram though. So just follow me on Instagram. And yeah, that's about it. Perfect. Thank you again so much.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. Another amazing conversation with a truly incredible author. And you know, I hope we were able to give you a few book recommendations to check out. I am fully embracing the fact that my podcast probably means your TBR will hate me. I, I will take that burden upon myself. Um, but don't forget that you have plenty of time to read The Curveball before the changeup comes out later this month. And thank you guys again so much for listening. Make sure you tune in next week because we're gonna have another episode featuring a new author. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Athens Booked Podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss any of the amazing upcoming episodes we're going to have. We will have exclusive interviews with indie authors as well as chat with bookstagrammers to bring you the very best book recommendations. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at Athens Booked. And you can sign up for my newsletter at www.athensbook.com so you get all the notifications for everything that we've got coming up. Thank you.